I hate that the first thing I said when I started this movie was, wow, the Trinity looks great in those jeans. You know, I, I am all for the whole cyberpunk aesthetic. I mean, we need to bring back latex pants, wearing long black trench coats for absolutely no reason, uh, sunglasses. Like, we really need to look like the men in black all the time. And uh, yeah, I, I want that. I really want that. Coming to you from the Fifth Element Podcast Network, I am Tashawn Pugh, and welcome, welcome back to another episode of Black Women Watch. How are y'all doing today? What's what's going on? What's the 411? We uh, entered a new month. It is now June. Um, I do believe it is now technically the summer. I don't know like what day summer starts, but uh I'm, I'm excited um, for all the possibilities that this month is hold. Also, happy Pride Month to everyone out there who celebrates. I see you and I love you. <laughs> I am very thrilled to know that you all are enjoying the podcast and that you are learning so much about these movies that I'm talking about. Um, and I'm learning just as much as well, which is why I am particularly thrilled to talk about the movie that has been chosen for today. Um, I am on summer break, but it feels like I went straight back to school, straight back to philosophy class when I watched this movie and I was um, gathering my notes for it. So let's just go ahead, you know, without further ado, let's get right into it. So this movie was written and directed by the Wachowskis, and it stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, and Carrie Ann Moss on this episode titled Dodge This. This is 1999's cyberpunk sci-fi cult classic, The Matrix. What is happening to me? The answer is out there, Neo. It's the question that drives us. What is the Matrix? So I 100% feel like I can't have a podcast talking about science fiction movies and I don't talk about the Matrix. I feel like that would just be a huge disappointment. Um, and so we're just going to start with my history and relationship with the movie as always. And truth be told, I don't really have one. Um, the Matrix is a cultural phenomenon. <laughs> Um, I feel like if you don't even have to be someone who like loves movies or knows anything about movies, I just feel like if you're a human being and you lived on this earth, you have definitely heard of The Matrix, whether you've seen the movie or just hearing it in passing. And it it's just always been a movie that I've just heard about and I've seen um, clips and videos and stuff from it. Um, and of course, people know about the whole Matrix uh, theory, I guess you can call it. Um, I just have never taken the time to actually sit down and watch the movie. So when I did learn that the whole trilogy was on HBO, I was like, you know what? Let me put my money to some use. And I watched the first one. Um, I didn't have time to watch the second or third one. So this particular episode will be more so focused on the start of the Matrix trilogy, which technically is not a trilogy anymore because there uh, is a fourth film coming out um, at the end of the year, I think in December. Yeah, so I, I don't really have a big relationship with this. Um, like I said, I feel like people should just know the Matrix, right? 
uh kind of like a, a john truman kind of thing where it's like everything you know is a lie and there are bigger works at play outside of all of this so first of all let me just say i am highly disappointed uh <laughs> with coronavirus because we were actually supposed to get the matrix 4 and john wick 4 on the same freaking day so it was gonna be a keanu reeves and Lawrence Fishburne holiday um and I think they were supposed to come out May 21st 2021 May 21st yeah but it didn't happen because of COVID obviously but can you imagine how much joy I would have found at the movie theater like doing a double feature of both those movies oh my god I can't even don't even get me started like I would have gone all out. I would have dressed up like you just have no idea how excited I was to um, be able to do something like that. But ultimately, it didn't happen because of coronavirus. So I have no idea when we're going to get John Wick for. I highly doubt it's going to be anytime this year. It'll probably be sometime next year. But at least we're getting the Matrix 4. So I, I will have caught up by then. Um, so that's exciting to say the least. However... Yeah, coronavirus, you suck. Anyway. The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. So let's break down the Matrix, right? So if you are one of those very, 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 very slim and rare people who don't know what the Matrix is, essentially the plot of the movie is that you have this hacker. His name is Thomas. I want to say his name is Thomas. And he, uh, you know, he's just a regular Joe, right? There's nothing really special about him, not now at least, but he is like this really big time hacker and he goes by the alias Neo. And Neo is sleeping one day when he gets this like message on his computer, like, oh my God, who are these? Like, how does my computer like know who I am? Like, why is he writing messages to me? So Neo is actually searching for this guy named Morpheus. And Morpheus knows the truth about the Matrix. And the Matrix is what we live in, or if we were in the movie, it's what we live in, right? So it's a simulated uh, world that we live in that is being, uh, I want to say hosted, but it was created by these like very intelligent machines. And you have these other extraterrestrials uh using human bodies as an energy source so we're just kind of like plugged into these little pods and they use our bodies for energy and we're kind of like asleep so we are dreaming in this uh this simulated world right so it kind of it kind of reminds me of uh that video game and i cannot mm, I cannot for the life of me think of the title of it, but it's where you're like this guy. I know it's like English. I want to say it's English, but you're this guy and you have to take like joy pills, you know, and that kind of keeps this whole like facade up and everything. But when you stop taking your joy pills, that's when you see like the real world. And instead of eating cake, you're literally eating a rat and it's like, okay, pause. <laughs> Hold on a second. Um, So that's essentially you know, what the matrix is. You're just living in this simulated reality um, that's not real while the real world is just, you don't want to know about it, right? You would rather just stay in the dream. With the matrix though, um, a person who is woken up 
um, usually undergoes seven steps, right? So you have the dreaming phase, you have deconstruction, you have reconstruction, you have self-knowledge, you have doubt, you have belief, and then you have love or kind of like acceptance. So it's kind of like the, is it seven stages of grief, of grieving? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what it is. You're grieving your previous life. Um, and this film was heavily inspired by Japanese animation and um, martial art movies, which later in turn really inspired the whole action scene in Hollywood. So with this movie, um, I know that they used a lot of like wire fight choreography, which can be seen in other um, movies like from Hong Kong and China. One um, example is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I absolutely love and highly recommend, but they do use a lot of like wire choreography to make it seem like the the characters that are fighting, they're like dancing in the air. It's, it's really beautiful and very masterful if you can do it right and you have a, a really good choreographer for all of that. So I know with that um, and using it in this movie, it, it inspired a lot of other movies like Charlie's Angels, other big action movies where they use, you know, these wire, um, these wire techniques for the film. Welcome to the real world. Obviously, I don't need to talk about just how influential The Matrix is. Like I said, it is just a, a, a really big culture phenomena and it has shaped the way Hollywood moves I want to say from like the late 90s you know the end of the 90s into the the 2000s and everything and it's really interesting to see because it's I don't know I just sometimes I just really think about movies and the people who make them and whether or not they know like when they're making something like this that it's literally going to change the world or it's going to change how we view things and how we see things um, so I know the Wachowskis were highly ambitious in making this movie and they pulled a lot of inspiration from literally, I just feel like anything and everything that has to do with sci-fi. So I'm talking movies, books, um, music, uh, television shows and, you know, just the, the, the likes of it. And it's just, it's very interesting. Cause I just want to know like <laughs> what that feels like to them. Like, you know, looking back now at the movies that they've made and that they've had such huge successes like I wonder if that like adds a weight to their shoulders or something I don't know especially because you're dealing with something that has a very it's not a complicated message but it's a very intellectual message um and it is something that a lot of people don't want I know it's I don't it's just a big influence, right? It's a big influence. And I know this was something that Lawrence Fishburne talked about when he mentioned getting the role of, of Morpheus and how he really enjoyed the script. And um, he was like, you know, I don't understand why people don't understand the script. And he was very doubtful that they were actually going to make like a second and third film because he was like, the message is just far too, it's far too smart. You know what I mean? Um, so I just kind of wonder like, how they feel about this and like the weight of it all. I don't know. 
But um, yeah, so like I said, this movie was inspired by a lot of things, namely uh, Japanese animations and anime, such as like Akira and a Ghost in the Shell. So you can really see those like cyberpunk influences on that. And I think had they had done this in any other like sub genre of sci-fi, I don't think it would have worked as well. And I know that there are other... Uh, <laughs> I know that there are other um, critics who have said the same thing, who said like, yeah, you know, if you hadn't set this within this cyberpunk uh, sub, you know, genre category, it, it just kind of would have fallen a bit flat to me in all honesty. But um, it's funny, though, because the author of The Matrix, Jean Baldulard, Baldulard. Oh my God! I feel like I'm pronouncing his name all wrong. It is a French name, so I, I apologize. My French is not that good, y'all. Sorry. Um, he says that the Matrix actually distorts his work, and this was something that he really had an issue with, and this was something that he kind of went back and forth with with the Wachowskis as far as um talking about the inspiration for the movie, and everything. Um, but this was like I said, this wasn't the only work that. I like it had a big influence on it. So again, when I when I said that this made me feel like I was back in philosophy class, it's definitely because this whole film is one big philosophical discussion, right? So you have these pills, you have the red pill and you have the blue pill, which is something that was um, offered to Neo in the movie. So as I was saying within the plot of the movie, Neo is this hacker. He finds Morpheus who knows the truth about the Matrix and when they take him out of the matrix um he gets asked if he wants to take the red pill or the blue pill and so the red pill would expose the truth to him and the blue pill would just keep everything like how it is so his life would still continue to be a lie um and neo now has to go on this like self-discovery journey to figure out whether or not he wants to be exposed to the truth or if he just wants to feel comfortable in the life that he has which if I'm gonna be honest his life does not seem that great so <laughs> I don't know maybe to shake the table a little bit I definitely would have been like yeah you know what what the heck let's just let's expose everything right um and and so with this you kind of get a lot of philosophical questions namely the one question is if you were given the chance to um take these pills like which one would you take right um, and it, it pulls another inspiration from a lot of theoretical thinkers such as, and like just philosophical, oh my God, philosophers, Jesus Christ, <laughs> philosophers like Plato and Immanuel Kant. So with Plato, you have the allegory of the cave, right? And this is something that I also learned in the philosophy class. So the allegory of the cave is essentially about a group of people who are living in this cave, they're like a group of prisoners, they're living in this cave and they're facing a blank wall. And with like they have a fire behind them and they're not allowed to look at anything except what's in front of them, right? So they can't look at any other prisoners. They can't look behind them. They can't look up. They have to just stare at this blank wall. And with this fire, um, you have people walking past the cave and their shadows are, you know, being reflected by the fire onto the cave wall that these prisoners are looking at. And so they, you know, this is all that they see, right? This is their reality. And the only thing that they are able to hear is just the people that are, you know, speaking as they walk by. So, like, this is it for them, right? And you have this um, 
this one prisoner who gets the opportunity to like be free and he looks at the fire but the fire absolutely hurts his eyes he's just like no I don't want to do this this hurts too much just you know put me back to the wall I want to continue to look at the wall and it's just kind of a um just kind of like a, a metaphor I guess for people who are exposed to the truth but because it hurts too much they're just like no just take me back to what I know because if I have to look at this, then that means that there's just like a lot of work that has to be done in order for me to accept this. And that's just far too much. So they would rather stare at this wall and take that as a reality versus anything else. But the the theory, you know, and the allegory goes on to where this prisoner, he, you know, they were like, okay, well, what if this guy gets dragged up to the surface, right? So he moves past the fire, he gets out into the real world and he looks at the sun and he's like oh my god <laughs> it is a sun and his eyes burn and he's blind now because it's just far too much going on but if you give him enough time to adjust to what is happening around him then he'll be able to see the truth and he'll be able to accept that whatever is happening in the cave is not my reality this is the reality and when he goes back to try and tell the other prisoners like yo y'all should come outside and see what i see and they're like haha you're crazy no like this is what it's real right whatever you're talking about we don't we don't want anything to do with that we don't want what you're selling right we don't want no cookies um and it it's just so i don't know it's just such a a thing really to think about and when watching this movie and when and compiling my notes for this movie I just thought about my whole experience with being woke uh I don't know if I should put that in quotes but I just I kind of hate the way that the word has taken just a different meaning now but I remember um watching uh was I watching a, no I don't think I was watching a movie I think I was reading Malcolm X autobiography and that was a book I was like oh my god like that opened my third eye right I was so shook to come to terms with what's going on and that's kind of went that's kind of when I went through my whole like social justice phase so every book that I was getting out of Barnes and Nobles had to do with social justice and racism and my mom was like oh yeah she's she's hit that she's hit that growth spurt and I feel like a lot of specifically black kids you know we have that moment in time where we come across a book or a song or a movie or something that kind of opens our third eye right that kind of forces us to look at the fire and that's the point where we have to decide whether or not we want to continue to look at this burning fire or if we want to just be like you know what nah I'm good I'm just gonna go back to the way things were because at least then I'm not hurting or to my knowledge I'm not hurting right um and I feel like a lot of people can't accept the truth and so I just think it's a thing and, and I wish I was able to really talk with someone who was a, a big enough fan of the movie to discuss really how the matrix is different for for black people you know or for people of color but I say specifically black people because I am a black woman um and just like what the matrix really means to them and, and to us because I feel like it is something that we live, right? Um, and I, I think about the the law or the bill that was just passed in Georgia recently, I want to say a couple of days ago, where um, they 
made it kind of illegal to talk about and to teach about racism and white supremacy from grades K through 12. So teachers are not allowed to discuss those topics. And it's just another thing where it's like, you know, there are bigger hands at play and you're willingly um, leading these kids into a reality that is not the reality that they actually live in. And the thing is, it's like, oh, yes, you need to teach kids um, about these sorts of things because it's important because essentially this is what the country is and pretty much the world has been founded on. But it's, it's important because, you know, black kids are living this stuff day to day, right? So even though we have to learn about this stuff in school, it's like, yeah, I still experience this stuff when I leave school, right? Um, and it's just another way to, to coddle people and to protect feelings for whatever reason. And it's just like, you know, you don't want to, you don't want certain people to grow up and understand the truth, right? So essentially these lawmakers are kind of like the machines, you know, they want to keep people asleep. They want to, to feed off of this energy of ignorance and that helps them get what they want at the end of the day, you know, and we're all kind of like neos in a sense where it's like we're searching for this truth and we know that there are people out there who do know the truth. It's just a matter of, of finding the truth. Um, and it, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing that first of all, that something like this is even allowed to go on or to happen in the world in this day and age but it, it's not shocking right it's it's definitely not as shocking as I want it to be but from you know my little mini rant about Plato and the allegory of the cave uh this film actually you know and essentially is an allegory for transgender identity as well because the Wachowski sisters they both came out as trans during this time as well so they felt like it was really imperative that they kind of had this message within this film and they thought that it was really cool that there were people who were able to kind of make that connection for them as well so you're here to save the world so what do you need guns lots of guns no one has ever done anything like this that's why it's going to work but now we need to really talk about the making of the matrix so i'm not sure if i mentioned the budget for this movie, it was $63 million, which I want to say uh, was less of a budget for um, my last episode, which was uh, Star Trek, Star Trek, because I think they had a $190 million budget. But in this day and age, it's, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, I feel like $60 million is definitely a really big budget at the time. So a lot of people were kind of doubtful that this movie was going to get made um, just because, again, it just had such a message that a lot of people were scared to hear and just because it just cost a lot of freaking money, you know what I'm saying? So, but with the making of The Matrix, we need to talk about the characters. So we have Neo and Neo, again, he's on this journey of self-discovery and he has to like truly undergo uh, the, the seven stages of, of grieving um, in order to become who he is and who he he's like the one right and I've always kind of liked that trope in movies you know you have this like average Joe who who doesn't really know anything who's just kind of like yeah you know I'm just I'm just me I'm just living in my little world and secretly they're like destined for this huge quest to like save the world or something I don't know I just feel like that would be super overwhelming and I would rather not do it but that's just me 
So Neo um, is just, you know, this hacker who finds the light. And oddly enough, this role was supposed to go to Will Smith, who took to his YouTube page to talk about why he didn't take it. And essentially, he just said that he was um, not mature enough for it. He didn't really understand, like, what the script was about. And he actually turned it down to make The Wild Wild West. And I will say uh, that was a great decision because, you know, I just feel like, uh, I don't always feel like, but sometimes I feel like things happen for a reason. I say that very carefully. Um, And I definitely feel like Will Smith turning down this role happened for a reason because uh, given the, um, given that The Wild Wild West is low-key another comfort film of mine. Oh, trust me when I say I know that it has certain issues. 100%. I, I really do like that movie and enjoy that movie. So I'm really glad he turned down the role to make that film instead. Um, and I honestly think that Keanu Reeves was the best person for this role. But Nicolas Cage, Brad Pitt, and Val Kimmer were all offered this role and they all turned it down and I can't see this going to Nicolas Cage but I can 100% see this going to Brad Pitt and I think I think I would have liked to have seen that I think I think outside of Keanu Reeves I feel like Brad Pitt would have been in like my top five picks for uh someone who was to play um Neo and Keanu actually won this role over Johnny Depp, who was the Wachowskis' first choice for the role. And also, truth be told, I don't think, I don't think I can see Johnny Depp in this role. I mm, maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Mm, maybe I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. So there's that. But I enjoyed Keanu Reeves in this. Um, in this role and I definitely think you know as his film career progressed you can kind of see that progression within these uh within the trilogy of this of this movie um and he's just overall a really good a really good actor I just feel like he's very I don't want to say subtle but he I don't know I don't know how to explain Keanu Reeves how do you explain Keanu Reeves I just I don't think there's any explanation for him I think he comes and goes as he pleases you know if he does a movie he does a good job and then he just disappears back into the fog and I am 100% okay with that. So moving on to Morpheus and Morpheus is the person who has recruited all of the other people aboard the um, Nebuchadnezzar uh, and he is recruited Neo because he knows deep down inside that Neo is the one to help get them to Zion and he was portrayed by Lawrence Fishburne like I said earlier, Lawrence loved the script and he didn't understand what others didn't understand about it. Um, but he was super doubtful about the budget of the movie and he was doubtful again of the whole theme and the, the message of the movie. He was just like, this is way too smart for this industry. And I feel like there's absolutely, if they give you the green light to make this one, okay. But if they, you know, don't give you the green light to make any other ones, I completely understand because <laughs> he was just like, this movie is just, it's just too smart. Um, and I think it's also interesting to know that Gary Oldman, Samuel L. Jackson, and Val Kimmer again were considered for this role, but ultimately it went to him. And I just think that it's really cool that Lawrence Fishburne 
and Keanu Reeves both worked on this uh, like series and they both worked on the John Wick series together. I was like, oh, I just I just think it's so cute when like you have these two actors who worked on a movie a long time ago and they had really great chemistry and then they come together in like the newer days and they work on another movie together and they also have great chemistry. I'm just like, I wonder how that feels, you know, to like reunite with someone you worked before, worked, you know, on something with before. I just... I just think that they're cute and I'm like oh I wonder if they're like besties in real life <laughs> like if they had dinner with each other and like go for drinks or something I don't know I just think that would be nice uh also I could see I could see Samuel Samuel L. Jackson in this um I don't hate it again I don't love it but I could I could see him being a Morpheus I really could and I feel like thoughts 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 hmm I think I would like to see that Maybe if they do, like, an alternate universe or something and someone's writing fan fiction, they can write Samuel Jackson as Morpheus. But moving on to my main girl, my main squeeze, Trinity. What is up? What is happening? Carrie Ann Moss, call me. Um, <laughs> so Carrie Ann Moss was uh, pretty doubtful about everything. Honestly, she just went in and she was like, yeah, you know, I don't know how I feel about this. She was doubtful about the stunts and she was doubtful about, you know, again, making another movie with this big budget. Um, but after she spent some time with the Wachowski's um, sisters and she was able to, you know, talk with them about what they were trying to do with the film. And I think they actually showed her some parts of the script or the storyboard. And she was like, you know what? Okay, I'm on board for it. I'll do it. And um, I'm really glad that she did because we, the world, you know, we got to be, um, we got to be exposed to her and, and all of her greatness. I love her as this character. And she did mention that after she, you know, starred in this role, that's when her career really took off because she was like, before this, I didn't even have a career. So I'm really glad, you know, and that just always makes me happy hearing those kinds of stories of, of people who, um, who really, you know, didn't have a, a big whopping career before they start in a movie and then afterward it's just like they just shoot right on up like I just that warms my heart you know because I feel like there's so many other people who deserve to have that chance and I don't know why randomly I just thought about Kelly Marie Tran and and her role um in Star Wars and just kind of how that like pushed her up to the forefront and now she was in like Raya and I think The Last Dragon which I haven't seen yet but I heard it was really really cool and it's just like ah, oh, you know like she went from this and now she's technically a Disney princess like that's just that's freaking awesome I love it we love to see it and love to hear it um and but the one thing that makes me sad to know about the role of Trinity is that it was actually um supposed to go to or it was offered to Janet Jackson but she had to turn it down because she had other obligations and I'm like I stay awake at night trying to figure out what it <laughs> trying to figure out what the matrix would look like with Will Smith, Samuel Jackson and Janet Jackson as like the main leads of this movie. Oh my god. That would that would be so hot. Like <laughs> I'm not even going to kid you. That would be so hot and I'm so sad that we didn't get to see it. I mean, Janet Jackson also call me uh but just seeing her in like the whole cyberpunk get up with the latex pants and the trench coats and the shades and like the really cool like bralettes and corsets and bodysuits oh my god we were robbed we were robbed 
100%. But she did make sure to, um, you know, kind of like give a nod to the the film and one of her albums, which I thought was really nice because she really hated that she had to like um, miss out on this role. And I definitely think it would have just been different for her because I don't think, I'm pretty sure she, well, obviously she was acting at that time, but I don't know if she's done anything of this like caliber at that time. So I, it felt like it would have been really nice and refreshing to see her in something like this. So the one other interesting thing about this movie and the making of the movie is that they had a 600 page shot by shot storyboard. First off, let me say shout out to all the storyboard artists out there. I am no artist. Um, I cannot draw. I took a drawing class when I went to art school and I absolutely hated it because I'm like, you're really going to sit here and make me draw stuff for three hours. I would rather watch paint dry. Um, so <laughs> shout out to people who have the patience and the skills to do this. Um, I think storyboarding is really awesome and it's a great tool to help make movies. Um, I am actually still trying to get my hands on the storyboard for Parasite that Bong Joon-ho did and I absolutely love the storyboarding pictures we get from Ryan Johnson, <laughs> especially the ones that he's doing for Knives Out. Um, he just released one for Knives Out too and I'm like, oh, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> trying to figure out what's happening in the movie from his little stick figures, you know, but it's, it's all really, really cool. But just the, the mere, the sheer fact that this storyboarding page, what our storyboard uh, book essentially was 600 pages. I'm just like, ugh, the amount of time that I had to go into making this um, oof, was absolutely a lot, you know. Um, and in the whole realm of pre-production, you know, um, I thought it was also interesting that the cast was required to, they had like a reading list. So essentially it was like they were going to school, right? They had all these reading lists full of books about, you know, sci-fi and philosophy and like the meaning of stuff and the matrix. And they actually were required to understand, be able to understand and explain the matrix um, if someone was to ask them the question, which I thought was really not a lot to do going into a film, but it's definitely a bit more of a challenging thing for some people to do. But let's talk, this physical training for the film, I honestly would say it was like a disaster. <laughs> well, firstly, because with the whole wire choreography get up, um, the, the choreographer and his name escapes me at this time. I'm so sorry. He was just like, he was very optimistic at first, but then he was like, everyone's out of shape so this is gonna be a little hard uh, but what he ended up doing was that he ended up matching the the fighting styles of each character based on the people that were playing them right so he was like oh Carrie Ann Moss is a bit more um delicate and she's kind of light on her feet and she's a little bit fluid so we're gonna you know give her some moves to kind of match that personality and we're gonna you know give moves to Lawrence Fishburne and Morpheus based on his personality and his like build up and you know so on and so forth so I thought that was really cool just like adapting these fighting styles to this character because I feel like a lot of the times a lot of movies kind of push these uh actors and and stars and, and stunt people to be someone else you know and I feel like it's just better when you kind of morph the character to the person that's playing them I just think that that's just better for everyone in the in the in long run in the end game um but 
physical training was super duper tough. Um, Keanu was actually recovering from surgery at the time. So that made him kicking and doing a lot of stuff really, really hard to do. Um, it's why he doesn't really kick too much in the film. Uh, he had, yeah, but, but he was, he was resilient, you know, and that's why the choreographer molded a lot of his fight work as, you know, some sort of resilience. But, um, even on days off, he was like, you know, I want to go in and I want to train. I want to get, you know, harder at this. I want to get smarter at this. You know, I want to just go all in. And so they allowed him to train carefully, um, just to, you know, be on the safe side and everything. And that just makes me so happy to think about John Wick because he really just does all of his own stunts. And fun fact, uh, Carrie Ann Moss, she did all of her own stunts for Trinity, which is badass. And I thought it was really, really cool for her. Um, and I know it was a difficult thing for her to do. And I know she was also injured in one section of the movie. I don't remember which uh, sequence, but she was also injured. But um, yeah, with like John Wick and, and Keanu Reeves doing all these stunts himself. I'm just like, can this man get any cooler? Like, can you just stop for a second? Jesus. <laughs> He's so cool. I just think that's so cool. And I've always admired uh, stunt people, stunt women, stunt men, um, stunt workers who identify as neither. Um, I, I just really enjoy their work and what they do because I know a lot of the stunt workers on this film actually were injured. And I know one guy had like a broken rib and a broken hand and arm. And I'm just like, bless your heart because that doing stunts takes a lot of work and it is a very very dangerous I feel like industry to go into and it definitely needs to have more of a recognition than it does um again I'm not one for awards you know award ceremonies at this point in time but I do believe that the Oscars and and other big name um awards should offer stunts as a category because these people are working diligently and tirelessly to make, you know, three seconds or two minutes of a, of a 90 minute film look extremely cool. And I know that they put in months and months of, and years of, you know, hard training and hard work into what they're doing. So I absolutely, uh, salute y'all. Thank you so much for making all these movies more enjoyable. And, uh, this film was uh, shot in Sydney, Australia from March until August of 1998. And I know there was someone who was actually um, offered the role of one of the agents in the movie, but he turned it down because he didn't want to move to Australia. And you know what? I am not mad at him about that. I kind of agree because I don't know what Australia is on. But I don't want to be on it. I don't want to deal with it. Whatever kind of wildlife y'all got over there that y'all just casually deal with, keep it over there. I'm not built for that life. <laughs> I am not built for that life. I will say, however, with the recent pictures of Taika Waititi and Rita Ora, especially Tessa Thompson, I just want to know if it's meant for me to move to Australia so that I can have a hot girl summer because... I, I see that Tessa Thompson is having indeed a hot girl summer and I'm just like, you know what? Maybe Australia is worth it in the long run. But yeah, it, it took uh, about 188 days for this movie to be made. And I feel like a lot of that was just a bunch of action sequences that needed to be filmed. And I know that there was one um, 
one critic in particular who mentioned that a lot of the film's more serious uh, sequences and 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 scenes about you know the matrix as a whole and what it is and what it means was overshadowed by the action sequences and I could see that I could see that a little bit um but I definitely feel like without most of the action sequences I don't think this movie would have done as well as it did so I am happy that they kept that stuff in there but I do agree it it did kind of overshadow overshadow the kind of meaning of the film and and what exactly they were um going for but yeah you know everyone was just injured (laughs) in the making of this film everyone someone had an injury about something with the making of this film and I'm just like I don't know I I feel like they kind of violated a lot of like workplace (laughs) workplace safety (laughs) codes and everything with everyone being really injured and I thought it was really interesting too to know that Keanu Reeves shaved his entire body like there's a a sequence in the movie where he like he he's woken up right and he finds that he's in this pod and he's like he's naked and he's like strapped to these wires and stuff like that but he's essentially just like a naked mole rat but he did shave his entire body and he lost 15 pounds to kind of like fit that that kind of I don't want to say starved looked of someone who's you know just getting the energy sucked out of him he looked perfect for it and I just think the whole I think essentially this given I don't know given how I feel about the movie and what I've seen in the movie it just seems like it was super duper it was super duper rough to film I feel like and there was a lot that underwent having you know to film and make this movie versus when I watch it I feel like oh okay this you know I feel like took place in a studio and they had some cool like stunt people and this that and the third you know it, it seemed very simple and again that's why I like movies so much because you have this big group of people coming together to work to make something look really cool for 90 minutes but they've been working on it for years you know trying to make sure that the story is right and make sure that the characters are relatable and that the message gets through clearly and that this particular angle of this shot looks really good and um I don't know I just feel like there was a lot of work that was put into this movie more than I was made to believe that it was so shout outs to everyone who endured that and who was able to get through that and and make this movie because yeah it just really seemed like a lot happened within those those days of filming and before the days of training and everything it just seemed like a very uh rough but hopefully enlightening journey you know with all the books that they had to read and maybe they all came out feeling very enlightened about everything um but I do want to give a shout out to the sound editors and the visual effect artists y'all are amazing especially at this movie because it introduced the bullet time effect to Hollywood and it really changed everything um and this is an effect that you can see in movies down the road you know after this movie came out where that it's that scene where uh neo is being shot at and he just kind of like does this like back bend and the bullets are like whizzing by and everything it does look really cool okay um and i know that they had like a kind of issue because a lot of people were scared that this effect wasn't going to come across good and that it was going to ruin the movie but it actually jump started a whole nother lane of special effects and um 
and it's really really cool and it made a big cultural impact so like movies like I know um Charlie's Angels I think did it um I want to say there was a spoof with uh um scary movie i know they did something like that so like i said later on you know with all these movies down the line and in years past they've all somehow interpreted this bullet time effect into their movie so i thought that was really cool so shout out to dane a davis for the sound edits that he did which uh he did win um an academy award for and john gata for the visual effects um which also won an academy award like these were chef's kiss okay they were amazing and shout out to the production designers as well for giving us that amazing look um and taking sydney australia and taking these studios you know um at fox studios production production center and turning them into an, an american generic city um it, everything looked really good and i feel like a lot of people just when they see movies they just think of oh director cinematographer but I'm like no man you got to think about the writers you got to think about the sound editors and the sound mixers and you have to think about again the the stunt core coordinators you got to think about the the wardrobe and just everyone who is working together tirelessly to make this movie what it is um thank you. I don't know, this somehow ended up as being an appreciation post for people who work in film, but, um, this movie has just transcended, right, uh, past, it's just, like, original meaning, and I cannot wait to see what they are going to do with the fourth one, um, definitely after I watched the second and third one, um, but I am just, I'm just, very thankful to live in a time where I can experience this kind of art, you know, um, because I just imagine the people again from like the 1700s and 1800s and early 1900s who would probably see this today and pass out from just being absolutely overwhelmed with everything. And those, you know, phil philosophers who would probably watch it and be like, wow, that's that's crazy, you know, that we have this medium that can ask these questions and it can be interpreted by millions of people around the world like that. I just think, you know, movies are magic. I don't know why I'm feeling this kind of way, but movies, movies are magic. And I want to say that The Matrix is nothing short of magic. Human beings are a disease. You are a cancer of this planet. And we... So that brings me to my last question, which is, would you take the red pill or would you take the blue pill? And like I mentioned earlier, I feel like as a black person in this, in this world, in this society, I've already taken the red pill. And I feel like I've taken the red pill, even if I didn't want to take the red pill, like to some people, I just feel like that's it's just our reality. That's just the way that it is. Um, and if I was offered a blue pill, I don't think I would take it. Sure, I might think about it because sometimes I think about like all the people who are just ignorant to a lot of things and and just how they can just get by, you know, with that. Um, but I'm like, no, I I like to be aware of things that's going on, even though it sucks and it hurts a lot of the time. But I I like to stay aware. You know, like they say, a mind is a dangerous thing to waste. And um, if that means taking the red pill and exposing the matrix for what it is, then so be it. And 
honestly, I've been on my whole conspiracy kick ever since the pandemic started because a, a lot of things have been exposed since the pandemic started and I'm just like everything is fake money is fake credit scores are fake <laughs> the stock market is fake um just you know as you get older and as more and more things begin to like slip through the cracks you just realize that nothing is real man nothing nothing is real but I would I would ultimately and always take the red pill so I, I will leave that question with y'all. If given the chance, would you take the red pill or the blue pill? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what black women are watching. So thank you for coming to my very odd and kind of rambly again uh, episode talking about the Matrix. Would love to hear from all of you what you're thinking about the show so far. What are you thinking about the movies that I've talked about so far? If you have any movie recommendations moving forward, uh, you can contact us or me on social media at bwwthepod. Ooh, excuse me, not the cod. We are not fish. The pod that is uppercase BWW, the pod on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to give us a nice little rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Tell us that you're enjoying the show. Share it with your friends. I'm always curious to know what y'all are thinking. Um, I just want to thank everyone for keeping up with the podcast so far. And from the Fifth Element Podcast Network, I am Deshaun Pugh, and this has been Black Women Watch. I cannot wait to see you all back for another episode, and as always, be safe.